Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Real World Productivity Podcast. The title of today's interview is Tracking Yourself to Make the Most of Your Limited Time. I'm Adam Moody, and today I'm talking with Samra Abusawi about his background in startups, app development, product management, and more. We're certainly going to be covering some areas that can help you, so please stay tuned. And with that, let's get going. So first of all, welcome, Samra. How's it going? Oh, thank you so much. Glad to be here. Going well. Good deal. Uh, well, I appreciate you coming. Well, I say coming back. Uh, we were originally scheduled, and uh, you know, you you had some issues come up, and I appreciate you. This is this is literally, um, you know, going the extra mile to be here today. So I really do appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I uh, did not expect. I guess no one really expects to get an emergency appendectomy, but um, we never really planned for that. But yeah, I was on a quick little trip. All of a sudden, felt some <laughs> abdominal pain. Quick visit to the ER, and they're like, "Yeah, we have to keep you for surgery." So. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I'm out. I'm here. I'm healthy, doing well again. So yeah, happy to uh, be here with you today for sure. Awesome. Thank you. And you heard that, everyone. You know, people are running out of the hospital to get on this podcast. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Cool. Let's uh, let's just jump right into it. Uh, My first set of questions is just about your background and experience. So, um, so all the other online entrepreneurs in the audience can get a little understanding of who you are and where you're coming from. Uh, So, would you mind just as much as you want or as little telling us about your background, uh, education, and any experience and kind of productivity? Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll go ahead and give kind of my my little uh, two-minute overview of my life, like 30 years compressed in two minutes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I actually, I my like career really started, funny enough, um, I graduated college, my undergrad, uh, with a neurobiology degree with the intent of becoming a doctor. Um, and so I was like taking the MCATs, I was doing all of that, applying to medical schools, and I got a job at a clinic. Whenever I started working in this clinic, I became insanely frustrated by their software. And I just thought this was like so ridiculous that, you know, medicine was advancing as far as it was, um, but we were being hamstrung and held back by like basic little software tools in, you know, in the office. And I'd always had an interest in software and technology and, and had always loved like tinkering with computers and everything like that. So I did a, a 180 in my life and found myself teaching myself software programming again and uh, leaving the medical track and starting my own um, little, my first startup, really, my a little company to write better electronic medical record software or EMR software. And ultimately that company shut down because it was just a little too much for a naive 22 year old to take on. Um, but that really just gave me, honestly, that's, that's what set me on this journey that gave me a taste for um, you know, being a creator, working in software, and ultimately making things that um, are enjoyable and easy to use and, and that help empower people rather than get in their way. And so the next several years, I worked as a contract software developer, um, kind of building up my own little business and working on software on the side. Um, that was like the very first version of, of TimeTag kind of made an appearance because as a contractor, I was, um, you know, needing something to keep track of my time. I wanted to learn more about the business side of things, so I decided I would go and uh, attend SMU in Dallas, Southern Methodist University, to get my MBA. Spent two years there, graduated from that, um, and then got into product management. Uh, that was like my first foray after that. I got a job as a chief product officer at a startup um, working on mobile point of sale software. Worked there for a little bit and then decided to go full time after that um, with my own company and turn TimeTag from a little hobby project into like a proper uh, service and company. So the last several years I've been working on that as well as you know some other personal projects, uh, building out TimeTag as, as a productivity tool and a time management tool for 
people just like me, so entrepreneurs and contractors and freelancers. But in addition to that, we've also been working with businesses and, and companies that have been using the tool to keep track of like the employee time tracks or employee timesheets and all this other cool stuff. So it's uh, it's been kind of, yeah, it's been a really fun uh, adventure. I, I also in the last like six months just moved to the New York area and I'll be starting um, a new role um, actually in a couple of weeks at a, another startup um, as their senior product manager. So that'll be fun um, to transition to that. And I'll just keep time tag on the side again, just kind of as a, you know, it's, it's in a really good place right now. So I'll just be able to maintain it. Um, but I'm looking for, you know, something new and to join a new team. So yeah, that's, that's awesome. all about me. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot. That was very good, by the way, for just a couple of minutes, you covered some ground there. <laughs> uh, so I'm curious, um, having not done it, and I think I understand the term, but if you don't mind kind of explaining for me and then others who might be hearing this, but what is like a product manager? What does that mean in the, the kind of the software sense? Yeah, sure. So PMs, um, product managers are really just like, essentially in the software world, you kind of, you typically kind of own a, either a whole product or a piece of a product. Um, so product in my case, like uh, I use time tag, my time tracking tool. Um, I was the product owner of this. So it's really thinking about, you kind of sit at the intersection of business design and engineering. And so you work between all these, you know, various different teams that each have their own interest in, in getting the product. So the business is looking in growing revenue and getting customers and, and reaching new markets. Uh, the designers are interested in working, you know, creating a product that people enjoy and that looks good and feels good to use. Uh, and then, of course, engineering is is tasked with implementing a lot of these things and, and making sure it's secure and it's and it works well and you know coding it and shipping it on Android or iPhone, et cetera. And so, product managers really sit in the middle of these three um, disciplines and coordinate everything basically. So you're like, um, you're it's a very dynamic role, and that's why I was drawn to it because every day has its own challenges and and you always you know you can never please all three. You can kind of imagine it as like a triangle, right? Like uh, you can't sit in the middle of all three and have everyone be pleased. So sometimes, you know, engineering and design is going to win and the business is going to lose. Sometimes the business is, you know, the one in the pilot seat and the design engineering you need to take a back seat. Um, so it's just all about like striking a balance and, um, and shipping a product that people like. Definitely. So stepping into that role, uh, if I have this correct, it was after doing, getting your MBA and then you stepped into the product manager role. Mm -hmm. Um, do you feel that that was something that you were prepared for ahead of time, or um, is that something that you know going through and doing some of the uh, the learning and uh, the MBA program kind of prepared you for that, or was it a little bit of both, and then you also had to just kind of jump in and, and figure it out? Yeah, I think you know honestly it was a mix of of um, kind of having the tools to to do this and and realizing like formalizing a lot of what I had already been doing right so. Um, you know, falling into a role and realizing that, oh, wow, this actually is a role that exists in companies. Like that was really fun for me. But then there was definitely the mix of, oh my goodness, I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> I need to go. Uh, there was definitely like a couple of weeks after I had been given that role where I was like, great. And I was Googling, you know, how to be a product manager and what does it even mean to be a product manager? Um, you know, just to get a better sense of like, okay, this is, this is kind of their day to day and, and this is really what the role entails. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a mix of both. I, I felt prepared in some senses that I had done a lot of these things already, but unprepared and, you know, and kind of the more formal, like, okay, like here's really what, you know, like what's expected of you as a PM in a company. So it was fun. Going into that role um, was, was like a really good thing for me because I had no idea that something like that existed and it was exactly what I was looking for. 
uh, in terms of that dynamism and, and the constant, you know, the adaptability required of it and the constant change. Definitely. Well, yeah, then on like the organization side, you know, it sounds like you obviously you enjoyed it. Um, for a, a product manager, what do you feel, you know, that someone looking at this should really know? Like what's a, what's some like either some hard skills or soft skills that somebody coming into this is, is going to make them really succeed? In my experience, the number one thing um, that has just come up time and time again is, is your ability to communicate. So because the role sits between three completely different groups of people that each have their own motivations, their own interests, their own skills, their own education, um, oftentimes, you know, if, if you put like a business person, an engineering person, they're going to speak different languages to each other, right? So uh, the joke always is, is that the business people walk into the room of engineers and they're like, oh, we want this new feature. We just came up with it. It should take you guys only about a couple weeks to get it done. It sounds great. Like, it'll, you know, no problem, right? And the engineers just like want to pull their hair out because it's like, no, it's not going to just take two weeks. You're insane. This is a huge project, et cetera, et cetera. So the, the PM, like a really good PM can, you know, again, sit as a conduit between these groups and do a really good job uh, with communication to listen and then more importantly, communicate that to the other group that needs to hear something in a certain way. So it's a lot of give and take. It's a lot of like moving, you know, puzzle pieces around to make everything fit. Um, but if you're a really strong communicator and a really strong listener to your customers, to your teams, to, your, you know, the product uh, analytics itself, you're going to, you're going to excel in the role. Yeah, that really makes sense to me. I mean, uh, maybe obvious to people listening, but, you know, I, I just, it makes a lot of sense when you've got to talk across those. I've never been in that specific role, but having crossed uh, some engineering and customer facing roles, um, yeah, that can get ugly sometimes. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Uh, well, how about tools side of things? Did you, um, you know, come out or I, well, I'd rather, I guess you're getting ready to step in, back into a product manager role. Are there any like go-to tools that, that you use? You know, you're like, yeah, I wouldn't do this without uh, Trello or, you know, Google Calendar or your pencil and paper or something. Yeah, um, absolutely. So you mentioned Trello and that is definitely one of my like go-tos uh, for just about everything. I I think after I discovered Trello and started using it for product management, I, I turned my whole life into a bit of a product um, that I manage. <laughs> awesome. So, yeah. <laughs> so I used it for, yeah, I use it for just about everything. But no, Trello, I mean, really any kind of system that's going to work best for you is the best tool, right? So there's all these like different, you can, you know, you can get as advanced as you want or you can get as basic as you want. So I know like, you know, I, I've seen a lot of people who just use sticky notes on a wall, right? Um, Ultimately, it's just what how your brain works and what's going to make the most sense. But organizational tool because there's just so much otherwise to keep in your head um, that things are going to get lost in the cracks and they're going to come back and haunt you. So um, I love using Trello. I use like a very basic system of like here are you know just a list of ideas. Here are the things that we're actually going to do coming up. Here's what we're working on now, and here's what's been done recently. Um, super simple, doesn't really need to be anything more than that. And that just helps move things along quite a bit and give you a, a great little snapshot at any moment of like, you, you know, what we're doing now and what's coming up next. Um, I am not a big calendar person at all. Um, the most I'll do is like, if anything, if I just need to be somewhere, I'm going to put it on the calendar. Otherwise, it's just not there. I, I know a lot of people who schedule every minute of their day, but I find that um, for me personally, like, I enjoy that time is not a constraint. I, I think sometimes like things are just going to pop up and you're going to need to do them then. Mm -hmm. um, and having, you know, like I, I tried that for a while where I was like, okay, I'm going to do this for 15 minutes and this for 15. And, and what ended up happening is I just felt behind all day long and that just generated more stress than 
um, than usefulness. So I, I stay away from the calendar pretty much. Um, other than that, you know, just like basic little email tools. I, I don't do inbox zero. I probably, the best estimation is like inbox 20. So um, I, yeah, for the same thing, it's like trying to get your inbox to zero generated more stress than, than help. Um, so what I use, but you know, 20 emails is, is perfectly reasonable, right? So like I'll, I'll keep it down below 20. Um, you know, some things I do want to keep in mind and then come back to it and so on and so forth. So um, a lot of that is is what helps keep me going. And then of course, you know, I do use time tag um, to keep track of my time. I use it in a more general sense, I found. Um, again, just keeping things loose and abstract for myself. And uh, so what I'll do is actually keep track of literally productive time and break time. So whenever I want to, kind of like a Pomodoro technique. So uh, whenever I'm going to sit down and work, I start that timer, the productive time one. And whenever I'm going to take a break, I'll stop it and switch it for, you know, kind of a break time. Just to get a glance then at the end of the day to like, okay, you know, today I got four hours of just like solid, you know, productive time um, versus some days where I might only get one or two. And just to give me an idea of how my day is being spent. Gotcha. No, I think, oh man, that's great. That could be its own subtopic. Okay, I'm going <laughs> to go somewhere else though because you mentioned something that I thought was really good. Um, I love talking about tools. Uh, I think everyone likes to. I mean, you've got the app. Um, everybody loves their favorite tools to use. And I'm always interested in what people use, what we can do better. But also you touched on something that I also highly believe in and that the framework is more important than the tool. Uh, just in the sense that if you need a system that then you can put tools and kind of fit them into what works for you. Mm -hmm. uh, so do you have like kind of a go-to framework or is there like a general day in the life of that, that basically you use to help get this stuff done? Yeah, so what I what I have found a lot of success with, and, and I have to admit this took me years to come to, um, <laughs> especially just you know as someone who's primarily worked on either small teams or by myself as a contractor for all those years, um, you know there there is no like guy or girl you know manager walking in being like hey have you finished X Y Z, you know you are the manager yourself right so it's really easy to be unaccountable um, and to just keep putting things off so. Again, yeah, just to preface that I tried so many things, but for me, what ended up working was a system where Sunday night, I write down um, in a notebook, actually, I, I, there's barren fig notebooks I'm obsessed with, um, a list of maybe you know, 10, 15 things that I want to do that week. So just a simple checkbox list, um, and I write at the very top, you know, week of you know, July 4th or week of July 3rd. And I'll do all the little checkbox. As I go through the week, whenever I have time, I, I, you know, as I go through the week, I'll start my day and go, okay, what do I want to attack, you know, get done today? Uh, if I finish something, I'll go back to the list and say, okay, what can I do now? You know, knowing that I have like a, an hour of time or maybe I have four hours of time, so on and so forth. Um, and I'll do the list and, and check it. So then what ends up happening is that at the end of that week, whenever I'm making my list for the next week, um, I can carry over the items that I didn't do. So now I have, you know, a sense of, of like, okay, this needs to be carried on. What I can keep track of because I'm keeping it all in the same notebook is that if I have an item on the list that has been bounced over and over and over and over between the various weeks, after a certain point, I, I really just evaluate, does this actually need to be done? Or is this just something that I'm like being idealistic about? Um, and so I just become very honest with myself and say, you know what, like, it's just not that important, like clearly, because I've been, I've been holding onto this for three or four weeks there's no there's really no problem that I didn't do it so I'm just gonna let it go and I drop it off to the list and I just I never come back to it and doesn't um, that feel good <laughs> it, it was really good yeah 
Uh, and, but it, you know, that was like such an important thing because otherwise I realized that I would just, you know, you start with this list and, and five weeks into the year, it's unmanageable. You have like a to-do list of like 150 items and now you just don't want to touch any of them. And so it was just getting that intellectual honesty with yourself of just being like, this is not going to get done and it's okay. Like just let it go. Um, and so I'm finding that each week I'm doing the work that needs to be done is important enough for me to actually sit down and do it. And I'm going week to week um, and getting, you know, making progress. Sounds good. Yeah, there's definitely some common themes there. And I think uh, for a lot of people, that's a really good one that you've got to delete stuff uh, from time to time. And, yeah. um, you know, it's funny, I, I, I know the feeling, um, you know, I've gotten so much better over the, you know, the years. It's it, for me, it's a lifelong thing, but it's so funny. You still get that, that task that you're just like, I feel like I should be doing it, but it's been here for a month that <laughs> I haven't touched it. So yeah, um, exactly. cool. Well, uh, you know, I did a little bit of uh, uh, I checked out your blog post beforehand, and this is a little bit of a hard tangent, but I wanted to touch on this because I thought this was really funny, and I hear this from so many people. Um, I saw you had a blog post about trying to use your phone less and how hard it can be. Yeah. Um, so it, it said you've been trying to really hard to ignore your phone, but um, so I'm just curious, what do you feel is like the best um, part of of using your phone less or not having it available to you? Yeah, I, I think it's. It's just kind of that that rabbit hole that you get sucked down into, right? So um, it's just so easy to have that good intention to pick up your phone. Like, you know, I, I have a, I want to know the weather. I'm about to go on a walk. So you, you open your phone up to go check the weather and see the temperature. Then all of a sudden, you know, maybe notification dings in from, from the top. Um, or, you know, you swipe to the home screen. And before you even know what you're doing, you're swiping all the way over to an open Instagram. And... And then now you're like in an Instagram rabbit hole. And then because something reminded you there, now you're opening up your email to go do this. And before you know it, um, 15, 20, maybe even an hour has gone by. Um, and literally, you know, you had intended to just check the weather and then get your keys and lock out the door. So for me, the biggest benefit has just been um, to get that, to retain the focus that I have. And, um, you know, to, yeah, to like just be a little bit more active in, in the physical space around me. So. I'm finding that like leaving my phone in a room away from me, for example, at home, I'm more likely to, you know, in my downtime, I'm more likely to read or, you know, maybe even play a little bit of a video game on my Nintendo or something or, um, or clean a little bit or, you know, maybe I'll, I'll make lunch instead of picking it up because again, I have, I find myself with all this extra time um, that before was just being spent looking at my, at my phone. And now it's like, huh, I, I actually have a lot of time in my day. How weird. Yeah, definitely. All those little bits and pieces. Um, yeah, something that reminded me of was uh, the Deep Work by Cal Newport. Um, uh -huh. Great book. And, and but I remember something stuck out in my mind was talking about it's almost like a skill to be bored nowadays that we yes. have something that we immediately go to. And I, I forget exactly how he put it in his book, but he's talking about like you know just try standing in line somewhere and not using your phone. He's like it's it's weird for people now, <laughs> and he's like it's actually a skill that you can cultivate. Like think about something talk to somebody. Yeah. Uh, and so anyways, I've, uh, yeah, I kind of connected those two and thought that was a really interesting uh, thing you were, you were doing there. No, I love that. I actually, I, I literally do that as much as I can. Whenever I ride the subway, I try not to use my phone. Um, the one thing that I've noticed that's really funny is that you get a sense that people think that you're, that you're weird, you know, for, for just sitting there and, and just like looking and, and just, you know, existing basically. And you feel a little uncomfortable that you're not on your phone because then people are like kind of looking at you just like, why is this guy just sitting there? <laughs> like what's wrong with him? Um, you know, whereas everyone else you notice is 
on their phone and stuff. So it, it's been kind of, it's been really funny to notice that, um, like the, the world around you becomes suddenly much more interesting when you look up, right? Um, and then start to notice all these things. <laughs> yeah, and then sometimes I, I, I'm not gonna lie. Sometimes I'm just like, yeah, wow, I'm just really bored. Like, okay, yeah. I'm gonna go read or something. <laughs> but sure. yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's good to be able to deal with it. I think it's kind of one of those now that not having something to actively do is is becoming a skill to master, which is yeah. almost bizarre, but. <laughs> Well, coming a little bit first, uh, full circle here. So talking about apps, um, I'm going to say I'm a, I'm a full-on Android user, so I haven't had a chance to use your app. So but I'm curious if you want to tell people a little bit more about TimeTag, and then my follow-on question would be like, is there a timeline for us poor Android users to be able to use this? <laughs> yeah. Um, so TimeTag, uh, like I said, started as really just out of a need. Um, and kind of that same that same aha moment I had that kicked off my whole career was that you know I was a contractor and I needed to keep track of my time. And whenever I went searching the market, I just felt so frustrated because everything was just more complicated than it needed to be. At least the way that I thought about it. So um, what I wanted literally was I'm about to sit down and work. I just want to hit start and then go and work. I can come back later in an off time and describe all the work I've done and you know tag it and set an activity and so on and so forth. But in that moment when I'm prepared to work, I just want to hit a button and be on my way. So time tag opens up and you know from the very first version all the way now to the eighth version opens up to a big green start button. Um, and that has just remained and will always remain like the, the kind of the key feature, which is that you can pop into the app, hit the start button and then exit the app. And then you can do everything else like in kind of an off cycle time, right? Um, so you can come back at any point and tag the time. You can edit your records. You can add in records, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so that you know that has been like this keystone feature that's remained there, and why um, stick with the app for as long as they do, because they just you know they struggle to find something else that's just as easy. Um, and so yeah, like because at the end of the day, time tracking is really only as good as you doing it, right? So. Um, if it's too complicated to use, if it takes too long, any kind of a barrier there at all is going to get you to just stop doing it. And you're going to walk away and now the data falls apart and it's not useful anymore to you. Yeah, uh, I know the first time I tried to do it was, you know, on paper, 15 <laughs> half hour blocks and I think I made it 16 hours or something. I mean, it yeah. was yeah, it's incredibly <laughs> difficult. So I, I definitely see the, the uh, value in this. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it's a habit. It's like a muscle you need to like build up. Um, and the harder that it is to do it, the the less likely you are to stick with it. So, um, and and as far as the uh, the Android version, I'm not sure I have a timeline. Uh, it, it may never come to exist, uh, just because we you know we're a small team, and our skills are just an iOS and Mac OS. So yeah, and that was um, just a random question. I'm sure people yeah. listening uh, may know, some of people may know this, but not being a developer myself is generally that the reason is that most people just you are, you know, versed in programming for one language, not just one, but in one area. And then to yeah. translate it would be, you know, kind of a large undertaking or for someone who doesn't know that that area. Yeah, sense? pretty much. Yeah, I mean, especially again for those smaller teams, it's going to be harder. And you know, there like I get some pushback sometimes um, where it's like, oh, you know, you could use one of these. Like, there's these solutions that allow you to kind of like write the code once and ship it everywhere. Um, the downside to those usually is that because you're shipping across very disparate platforms, you get only the lowest common denominator. So yeah. it's hard to make an app in that sense that kind of stands out and feels like it belongs on the platform. And again, being someone who like really likes design and you know really wants to make things <laughs> yeah. that that are user friendly and make sense, that has just never felt like a, an option for me. Uh, not that it isn't a value 
valid one for many companies it is, but just, you know, personal preference. So no, that makes sense. You know, valuing the quality is certainly important. So I, I was just curious and you yeah, know, obviously happy to see it. If it, if it shows up, I'll put it to you, but cool. Well, uh, to wrap up today, I've got a question for you. Um, if it, you don't have to limit it to one, but, uh, if there is one, what one book or several do you find yourself recommending the most to people? Any stuff, Ooh. any sort of book. That's a, that's a good question. I, I actually love to read and that has been another benefit of putting my phone down is that I have found that I've been picking up books, uh, like actual physical books too. Nice. Um, so let's see the one book I think that I keep telling everyone to read, um, you know, the one that the top of mind that I'll go with to, to start is the happiness advantage. Um, so it was written by, I believe Sean Aker is his name or Sean Anker. And he, he has actually a Ted talk that kind of talks about his thesis about it. But his whole idea is that we have like lived in a society where we say, you know, first, first go get success and then you'll find happiness. Mm. And his whole thesis is find happiness first, then you'll get success that basically we should flip the script. And so the book is really fascinating. You know, he's like a Harvard educated guy. He shows a lot of research in it. Um, about positive psychology and all of this. So it doesn't read at all like a self-help book. It reads like, you know, a research book backing a lot of this psychology. So I think, um, you know, reading that really was kind of a turning point for me because it opened up a lot of doors. I realized that I could gain more um, by, you know, kind of just finding, yeah, finding happiness with what you have today and then building on top of that rather than putting the carrot on the stick out in front of you and feeling, oh, if, you know, if I just get that promotion, if I just get that job, once I get this car, once I get that house, um, and, you know, which leads to a path where you're always one step behind of your own happiness. So, <laughs> great recommendation. I will have to check that out. I haven't heard of it. And if there's TED Talks too, I'll grab some links too in the show notes. So if you're listening to this, uh, be sure to look down there. So, yeah. Well, thank you, Sam, for a great interview. Uh, um, I know that the audience and, and myself has got a lot out of all this info and really appreciate you again taking the time, especially after what you had to go through. Um, so where can people go to find out some more about what you're working on? Yeah, so you can visit uh, my website, kaparsa.com, C-A-P-P-A-R-S-A.com. Um, there you can find my blog. I call it The Productivity Monk. You can read all about time tag. Um, and I'm also on Instagram at Samer Abuselvi. Awesome. Cool. All right. Well, thank yeah. you again for joining us and we will definitely be talking to you again. Sounds good. Thank you so much. And thanks to you for listening to this podcast episode today. It can be really beneficial to hear about how others approach productivity, organization, and optimizing their business and life. And if you're interested in taking your productivity and efficiency up a few notches, head to www.productivity.academy start. You'll find my Productivity Academy guidebook, which I recommend for all listeners who want to improve their lives and know that there are better ways to getting where they want to go. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode.